Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Adrian Main, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello, hello. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hi, that's me. Gentlemen, start off with a question. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on Mars? Ooh, the weirdest thing on Mars. Uh, Besides from Dr. Manhattan's piece. (laughs) Is the the great storm? That's not on Mars, is it? No, that's on Jupiter, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, but they they do get seasonal like dust storms on Mars that do change the appearance of the surface. I guess technically it would be... The rover, the rover would be the weirdest, the most weird thingsy thing I've seen on Mars. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, okay. Uh, any alien experience you've had, Justin? No, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, beyond my snarky comment about Watchmen, I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if um, uh, uh, I, I necessarily would be able to say the weirdest thing because I, I, I do not have a, a working enough knowledge of the geography of Mars. But I would suspect that, well, that if, if, yeah, if if they showed, yeah, I don't know, like some caves or 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 mountains or something like that. Like I'm sure that there's some you know, oh, like a lava flow, yeah, stuff that you can. Yeah, we've seen we've seen some neat stuff in the past. Uh, we've seen from the the orbital surveillance. We've seen um, things like you know long things that look like caverns and stuff like riles and stuff or you know lava tubes have collapsed and the entrances to what could be under under you know could be caverns and stuff there there's some cool things that seem to be kind of seasonal that may be like co2 geysers and stuff that we've never seen up close but we have images that look like they create these really kind of neat formations and things that just feel alien and exotic Mm. the latest cool thing is the martian flower flower i'm sorry which is something that what curiosity rover took a photo of a Mars flower. I mean, well, like, it's called the Martian flower. The, the Martian, Martian flower. Yeah, but that's like it's like like like, like the Glasgow kiss or something. Oh, like that. that's really a headbutt. Then so then it's probably not like it like the face in Mars. Someone in in our chat, GDS three K, is mentioning the face in Mars. So maybe this is like yeah. The, what happens when uh, you do really really low res images in your wishful thinking? <laughs> but but like, so have you seen this? No, I haven't seen this. But I'm assuming that this is something oh, yeah, metaphorical. Us, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Martian flower. Let's see. Uh-huh. Un- NASA rover unveils Mars flower formation. Oh, wow. Uh, wow, that does look like coral. It, it kind of looks like we're, we're kind of seeing a, an up close of the ground of Mars. And there's like, doesn't this look like coral? Just so, like yeah, sand yeah. Coral? I, mean, I, I guess I, I was I was kind of expecting it to be something a little bit more ab- uh, abstract that you would refer to as a flower like uh, shape. But this is But it. no, this looks like either a coral formation or some kind of fossilized or encrusted uh uh you know, uh, organic leafy growth. Yeah, it's it's looks like something you might expect to be like you said be organic coral or whatever. It's actually very small. It's like the size of maybe a coin. And geologists and mineralogists will point out all sorts of natural examples of how you can get things like this. You know, you you could be everything from something like a fulgurite where you get a lightning strike that that basically fuses things in the ground to uh, crystal formations and other stuff. So there's plenty of things that you don't need to have an organic creation for it, but it shows you how cool and how weird an alien planet can be. And you see little things like this. 
Because it looks very organic. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. What nobody's brought attention to, which surprised me, is the Cracker Barrel biscuits sitting next to it. Yeah, right? They look like, <laughs> like some deep fried dumplings that are uh, just, just delish. Uh, uh, look at yeah. looking for something to snack on it. They do look pretty dry, though. I feel like you would need you some You could sauce butter. them up. You need some jam. Let's sauce them up. Let me sauce Get them some up. sloppy steaks. Uh, are, and yeah. are those just common rocks that we're seeing? Just common buildup? Uh, nobody got excited about them, so I assume so. Yeah. Um, but you can see that other things, rock stuff forms there. But there are desert flowers, actually, a term that we use to describe a natural formation that can happen in deserts or desert rose. If you look like a desert rose and you see this thing, it looks kind of almost like a rose. And it's like the formation of, you know, sand and I think ice and just the way the thing sort of grows. It's just spooky when you see one of these things because you think it looks organic, but it's not. And there's a lot of examples of naturally occurring things on earth is that it that uh yeah this yep. is selenite uh and it does kind of have a <laughs> petal sort of look the one we're looking at is a little almost glitchy sort of looking i uh i i, I get the opportunity to watch bryce try to track this down <laughs> but desert rose not only brought him to the single by sting but also just a lot of roses that wind up growing in the desert that uh, i'm yep. sure many that have brightened the homes of many arizonans throughout the years <laughs> before we got to the thing we wanted to uh so it's a it's neat to see what we're going to continue to find there and the thing we have to think about too is our rovers have only explored a very, 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 very small um, uh, area of Mars. And I heard one a Martian researcher at NASA explain, you know, why they want to put humans on Mars. Because people are like, well, we have robots there. And he's like, you know, one geologist on foot, you know, could explore more area in a day than a rover can in a year. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't have, I mean, just the autonomy, right? Just the fact that a person can go up there and make their own self decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's from where to where to point your head to look to everything else and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So, uh, and it's, you know, I think there's a case for both, but it is people sort of overstate, like, well, we have robots. Are. Like, well, we don't use robots for a lot of stuff on Earth right now. You know, like, ah, yeah. you know, like, they're going to build Mars. They'll just use robots to build it. Was your house built by a robot? Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. We're just gonna not. be sure, right? We're just gonna like we, all of a sudden we, there, we there, there, even... there, 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 there's gonna be a La Quinta. We're just gonna check right in. <laughs> we don't even reliably, you know, make French fries or a Happy Meal with a robot yet. Um, so, yeah, the idea that robotics are gonna do all these things that people do in the short term. Can I can I just say this about the uh the 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 photo? Uh, it is kind of still remarkable the the fidelity that we see. Do we know that is that is that the raw image or or do they process and touch it up before they they put it out to the world? Hmm, I wonder. Uh cuz we, we uh, I know for like a lot of um uh like space, you know, uh images they'll, of they'll, stars they'll, and galaxies. They'll, they'll pop it a little colorize bit. it, right. Um but um looking at the NASA Flickr Well, they have to they 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 do adjust it. So this is the Mars hand lands Im- land imager. Uh, if we go the the Mahali, which we can see the specifications there. <clears throat> uh, color, it's a similar color quality, similar to a consumer color camera. Image size, 1600 by 1200 pixels. So uh, very likely pretty... Probably pretty close to what it is. Pretty close, yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing that we are getting those photos from the surface of Mars that look almost indistinguishable from what you would take with a uh, you know an, an iPhone, if not this generation, then maybe two generations ago at most. Yeah, I uh, I just yeah. found a picture on uh, on Twitter from 
at Abby Frey with a, a penny for scale. And this is way smaller than I thought it would be. It, the, 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 the flower that we're talking about is uh, maybe half of the circumference of the penny, if that. Um, so this is way, I, I, I guess I kind of assumed we were talking about something bigger, but it does make sense that this would no. not be very visible. Although it's hilarious, the tweet that shows us that uh, uh, penny for scale added by me, like, and not that somebody <laughs> left a penny on Mars. Or that NASA would well, like was, crop it in. Well, there was an example of some people got excited because there are people who scrutinize this looking to see, you know, if they're going to see a pull tab from a Martian beer. <laughs> and there was a rock that had this really curious looking formation that looked like a uh, bolt or something on it. And we're uh, like, oh my God, that look, what is it? Explain that. And it was like, yeah, uh, four days ago, the imager went right up on top of there and <laughs> pushed itself into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, because, yeah, the, the, the uh, fidelity on that is amazing. It's very good. Especially considering the fact that it's so small. Right, because this is basically so, a, microscopic almost. Well, not microscopic. You know, uh, a, cool, a, a, cool teles- a, cool, a cool Twitter account to follow, which I just gave it away, is the James Webb Space Telescope. Oh. We're starting to see the first images. Uh, any, any, yeah, hot, they're showing. any hot finds so far? At NASA Web. Stars. <gasps> we found stars in space. What? Again? Yeah. Uh, Feels like they're they, lousy with them. Are they new stars? Are these undiscovered stars? Because I could see. Because are I mean, we on a star search? <laughs> this uh, is still calibrating and testing the telescope. I see. Uh, here we go. Oh, they've got like a GIF of some of the uh, the calibration, and so you can see the first picture where the stars almost have like an astigmatism sort of. Uh, so uh, sparkle it, to it, them. So it, it, yeah, it, this is all the same image that they are slowly trying to calibrate. It is that it is one star yeah. on all of the mirrors. So you're looking at yeah the mirrors that are all trying to yeah. Oh, they're them. all hitting. Uh, that makes sense. Why so they're yeah, in that hexag- hexagonal pattern. And so now they are they are in the process of figuring out exactly how all of those things would match into one image. I imagine, right? Yeah, you're, so they're starting out yeah, with the reference points of going, okay, what do we know? Let's help confirm how this thing works. Wow, that's and so you know, step by step, adjusting. You know, you're trying to, you know, you've got this things, you know, hundreds of millions of miles away, and you're trying to, you know, calibrate and adjust it and fine tune it. And you know, I can't even do that with a telescope knob when I'm in front of it. I know that the James Webb Space Telescope was a controversial project that went over budget a million times and cost a, an obscene amount of money. But if we get a really lit Twitter account out of it, I feel like it's a wash. I feel like I feel like we got what <laughs> well, we paid for. At at NASA Webb, you can. Follow I'm doing it. it. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm it, following it right now. Is, and look at look at its uh its location. Let's see. I'm going to go to at NASA Webb here on Twitter.com. At the profile, it says Lagrange Point Two. Oh, that's cute. um joined april 2009 was this something before the web telescope or was this just how long it's been in work in the process i think that's how long they've been planning the telescope remember that this is a telescope that's a very 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 long in the waiting wow wow that's that's very it would be very funny to be that social media person just at the start of the, the 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 project of like okay cool james webb telescope let's get people excited for it in 13 years <laughs> well, and there and there are people who signed up who got hired at nasa to go work on this and were excited about seeing this thing launch and then went on and left after years jeez you know how long it takes yeah well uh you know what doesn't take 13 years 
Uh, well, yeah, any, going anybody. Well, you, twelve years, thirteen years, it's all the same. Uh, it might as well be a billion years when you're living in the purgatory by not subscribing <laughs> to the Patreon of Weird Things. Isn't that right, Bryce? That's right. Go to Patreon.com/slash/WeirdThings. Support us every week, and you can get uh, the After Things show early, yep. earlier than anybody else, a couple days early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also support this show. Uh, with with all your stuff so if you enjoy getting your science update your weird download yeah uh, all that stuff please consider joining us at patreon.com slash weird things you'll also we have a discord uh, for all of our podcasts and uh, uh, you get a special green color in our discord yep. if you're a patron subscriber so check it out patreon.com slash great everyone will know that you're the one who's who's turning this wheel the great weird everybody thing. else is just freeloading that's right with their ears don't don't be an ear freeloader. Don't be an ear loader. Don't be an ear loader, please. Patreon.com slash Yeah. So scientists in Australia wanted to observe magpies. And they decided what they were going to do is put sensors on them, like tracking devices, so they could kind of see where they do, see what they're up to, because they're, you know, like many certain kinds of species of birds are very, very smart. They're a corvid, and they're corvid. You know, those tend to have you know the ones that like you know, surprise you what they're capable of doing. Yeah. So they put them on the magpies. They put them there, and then they realize the tracking devices just aren't staying on. Oh, they're falling and off. These are tracking. De- well, they're the problem is is these are devices they've used on not similar birds, and they don't fall off. These just don't come off. But these were coming off. Hmm. And they're trying to curious to try to figure out. Why do these keep falling off? Well, hmm, that's an interesting thing. Cause, I mean, right, because they, they would be sensors made for birds, made for tracking birds. It's not like you're putting an Apple Watch on these little fellas. Uh, Justin, do you think they're eating them? I would say, well, wait, so the tracking devices are on the birds, right? Yep. Yeah. So I don't think they're eating them. And they might be pecking at them and having them fall off. Mm. Uh, but I would say, yeah, I mean, that that would be likely unless it was, I mean, because uh, if, if it was something else grabbing it off it, I would find that unlikely because unless birds are very sick, because they avoid predators so well, they would not be in a, in a, in, in a place where they'd have such a close scrape with Ooh. a tracking device maybe <laughs> maybe they're collecting them now that that may well be the case like they yeah. often uh, uh birds are, are obviously flock animals but they will scratch each other they will they will uh, preen each other so uh the the fact that they might find value in them and be collecting them might be the case because you, you said they're so the corvidae right andrew yep um because we've we've talked before on this show about things like um the, uh, the the crowbar where uh, uh, they put out this thing uh, in public and the crows when the crows give it cigarette butts it gives them food and so they learn to collect collect trash. So they apparently they designed these. These were smaller, you know. These are small birds. They designed these to make them um, uh, hard to get take off. You either need like magnet or scissors, you know, according to the researchers to put to get them off. They trained a group of magpies to like go into a feeder and whatnot. So these were pretty smart, somewhat trainable. Then they put these on there and they write 
Things started to fall apart quite literally almost immediately. Within 10 minutes of fitting the fifth and final tracker, an adult female without a tracker was busy trying to remove the harness from a younger bird eventually succeeding. This pattern was repeated in the following hours, hours, and by the third day, the final tracker had removed from a dominant male. <laughs> and they aren't sure if it's the same individual that removed all the harnesses or if the others chipped and helped, but they said it's a possible sign of rescue behavior. Uh, they cooperated. They helped <laughs> out. They're like, F this noise, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so they just, they helped each other take them off. You know, wow. uh, uh, what we have learned between my wife and I in, in owning birds is that if you don't put a little identification thing on a bird when it is a baby and, and it therefore does not have the cognitive uh, uh, awareness to say this is foreign, this is just what my leg is, my leg has a little ring around it, uh, it's impossible to keep them off. They will figure out a way to to get them off, either through cooperation or or by 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 just uh, uh, figuring well, out another way. Yeah, I mean, here that that they said that this was you know it's one thing for a thing to peck it off, but these are harnesses the kinds of been used on birds a lot, which they don't. They this feels like new yeah. behavior. They haven't observed other birds helping these birds take them off like this. Birds yeah. will like you know peck at another bird like they're maybe pecking but to like to, to spin that much behavior and then to go through all the other birds and to remove them. It <laughs> do is, it for each other like no, a prison it, break. It is it is very smart. It is it is extraordinarily smart uh, 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 behavior uh, because you're you're you are you are right. Like there is there is cooperation, but but that seems very specific, especially since it happened immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, gosh, I mean, I don't even know what you do in that case. I mean, other than what you get some baby ones, find and- new magpies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would say yeah. If you if you raise them from captivity, but they, even then, it's like the point of what you want to do is to find wild ones wild so you monkey. can track them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and and it might be an argument to say, from an ethical point of view, maybe find a different way to study them because clearly they're not happy with them. They don't like the trackers. Yeah. <laughs> If if there's any chance that the trackers are affecting their habitat, their their behaviors, or you know their instincts, then any data you gain would have a huge asterisk on it because just the fact of how you were measuring it could change could be changing their behaviors entirely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, sad news. We'll get you know just touch upon the kind of political events, but it kind of relates here to weird things is that in Ukraine, you may have heard that uh, Muria, the world's largest plane, got destroyed during uh, Russian airstrikes. No, I did not. Oh, no. So, yeah, the MRIYA is the largest airplane and is used to carry all sorts of things across long distances and originally, I believe, was built to carry the Soviet shuttle, the Buran. which remember the Soviets had their own space shuttle program and they had some pretty good innovations with it. And the Buran was going to use just liquid fueled. And that, uh, this was basically the carrier for that. If you look at the way it's designed. So it's kind of a nice piece of history. Wow. Just got lost. Of course, the Buran itself is riding away in a warehouse somewhere. So it's not like a lot of nostalgia over there for it, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of one of one of many things lost during that uh current ongoing incursion. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. So, anyhow, but I thought um like I read that I'm like, "Oh, I know, I've seen this. You know, that that's that airplane." Yeah. It's big. And, you know, we 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 have talked um 
in the past year or two about using planes to possibly launch things into orbit or suborbit, right? Um, and so it's not like this is like ancient technology. Like it's still pretty relevant. Well, no, it, this, this wasn't used for that. This I was mean, just sure. used to piggyback. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, sure. Yeah. But just as a cultural touchstone, this is not, <laughs> this is not George Washington's fife. This is uh, something a little more contemporary. Yeah. Well, I mean, arguably it could have had a bigger impact. Uh, than George this Washington's was designed fife. To carry his rocket. legendary fife. <laughs> he he loved that fife, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought alt history. I, I, I thought Andrew, uh, uh, when you were were paying tribute, that that you were going to mention somebody that uh, uh, we we lost this week, uh, the amazing Jonathan, uh, uh, you know, pioneer certainly of of magic and comedy, and somebody that I know you had you had a relationship with, and and uh, you know through through ride tricks we we covered a lot. Yeah. So uh, AJ or Jonathan, however you want to call him. Um, uh, you know, he was a person I like to hang out with. He, he, and, you know, um, his partner Anastasia, who I really enjoyed her, you know, being around her, she's, you know, known the pair of them, known her longer than him. And then knowing AJ personally, um, you know, it's rough. It's just, it's just rough. We've known for a long time that Jonathan's yeah. had really health problems and, you know, was given a much shorter amount of time to live several years ago. And, you know, it kind of became a running joke. You'd see him be like you again, you know, yeah. um, but, uh, and then, Finally, you know, he was right. And, you know, then he's, you know, it's sort of this weird thing. It's like, yeah, that's another person that I'm not going to run into at a party or hang out with and have a great conversation with for a few hours, you know. Uh, in terms of his art, I think it is astounding that his style of magic and comedy, style of comedy is something that I think still kind of stands alone in both spheres. I don't think there's a lot of comics that are like, Amazing Jonathan and I don't think there's a lot of magicians that come anywhere near to the kind of charisma that he had. Uh, uh, I know, for me, the Comedy Central Lounge Lizards 30-minute uh, special that he did was something that, either because it was in high rotation with Comedy Central uh, and, and because I never tuned away from it as soon as it was on, was uh, uh, I iconic. And it was a lot of his a lot of his big stuff. But even... Watching him live when he was still performing, he still—I don't think he ever really lost his fastball. And you know, while he was up on stage or or doing, uh, doing, uh, uh Jonathan, performing. Yeah, Jonathan. You know, you 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 would hear comedians go, "Oh, prop comic." Uh huh. You know, they yeah. kind of roll their eyes at that, and then you go, "Like, what am I using Jonathan?" And be like, "Oh, well, you know, that that's different." You <laughs> know, like, oh, like, like, that's because Jonathan was a guy that used magic or used that as a excuse to do things but he was just hilarious and it made it just it was a way to kind of a way a differentiator he could i would watch him go talk to him before a show where he just grabbed some things from the dollar store or whatever and then go up two hours later on stage and make it into a hilarious bit because yeah. he could just come up with stuff like that and he was just his mind was just so so funny and I'll 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 share this story here because uh, I couldn't figure out how to put it on Twitter. The the first time I ever really got to talk to him was I was in Vegas. And I went to go see his show, and uh, you know, it, I think it was Sahara or whatever. I think it was it was like there. He had a showroom there, and I go there and I'm I'd seen him before before I think in South Florida, and I remember he just died laughing. He's just so funny. And then 
I go see him and he comes on stage and then he brings this woman, this, this parent volunteer and then uh, announces that she's pregnant and then proceeds to shove his hand through her body and push a baby out <laughs> of her front of her stomach. <laughs> and, uh, you know, basically performing an abortion, perhaps we would call it. It's a fake baby, but... Uh, yeah. Um, oh, good. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, just to clarify. Yeah. Uh, what was funny was he used... A uh, trick that I had invented to do this. I was going to say, <laughs> did he? Did he? He yes. used. He used your trick. That's amazing. He used. He used that. He used. It was a thing that I trick I created. I literally commercially. And Jonathan's interpretation of it was by far the most imaginative one I've seen. And <laughs> to I'm watching push it. a baby through. I'm horrified and <laughs> delighted in all it was. And then afterwards, I go up to him. I go, "Oh, the trick's like, oh, like." It's a gut buster. He goes, yeah. I go, yeah, I created that. And he's looking. I could see him just this look in his eye like, what's going to happen next? Exactly. Go, that was amazing. That was hilarious. I loved it. He's like, ah. Oh. Then he was like, ah. Oh. He's like, oh, you didn't mean I love you. We got along. But it was like, I'm not like, yeah. how dare you, <sighs> sir, desecrate my, my magical creation where you just you shove a hand through the skin and rip it and was, it's beautiful say, for, the for, folks, for folks who are not aware of the way the gut buster works, without getting into the method, it involves visibly protruding and tearing skin. Like it is, <laughs> it is something that that when you do it in in a in in a bloodless way that like shows that there's like like a a, a penetration. It looks very eye popping. If you do it with the context that Amazing Jonathan <laughs> did it, it is somewhere between the most horrifying thing you've ever seen and the funniest, most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Uh, and, and that always seemed like, uh, as an outsider on The Amazing Jonathan, it always seemed like he was able to really ride that line of like squeamish comedy and very funny without overly, uh, I don't know, turning people away. He, um, and not, he, but also not being particularly safe. He had he had that gift about him that Bob Saget had too. You liked them, yeah. You liked mm -hmm. them. And and so they would take you to places that if you didn't like that person, you would not be comfortable to go. But because you liked them, and Jonathan is a nice guy. Jonathan was a, just a super sweet person. And you'd say, hey, is this crazy guy? Let's be around. I'm like, well, you hang out with them. You may notice from time to time there may be weird wisps of smoke coming out because he's a clever magician that figured out how to do meth in front of people. Um, so... Oh, Bryce is playing clips from Gutbuster. We're looking at the Gutbuster. It's great. Poor Birdie. Uh, poor Birdie. Poor Birdie. Uh, that was that was that was my that was my roommate. Oh uh, really? When yeah. uh uh when when I first heard about uh, Scam School too, he was the one who told me. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could imagine right. doing this. Okay, sorry. We're just, right, yeah. We're just yeah, yeah, we just yeah. watch yeah. old yeah. old clips. Uh, yeah. I, I I will say this about Amazing Jonathan. In the world of comedy and magic, the only comps that I would say for Jonathan's onstage energy would be like Sam Kinison or Bill Hicks or, 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 or people that were just among the most singular force of nature, like they are a boulder going downhill. In magic, I mean, the closest thing that you would probably say would be Penn Gillette, but even then, Penn always sort of had the kind of uh, uh the 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 bard element to him where where he would he would want to be more erudite and flowery and like yes he had the the sledgehammer but he wanted to also kind of do the high-minded stuff where uh, uh amazing jonathan was just like 
blah, it was just just a howitzer that comedically, I mean, again, there's there's only a few comps for 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 that, and it's literally the top of the mountain. It is it is the Mount if Olympus. You, if you look at the beats per minute that Jonathan had, like yeah. the the how many how often you laughed, and and there's. Depending upon your style, there can be different approaches. Like a guy like Darren Brown, a mentalist, like I remember watching one of his shows, which is a great show, and it's 10 minutes before the first trick happens. Yeah. And that's fine because he's world building getting you to that point. Jonathan's in a comedy club, Vegas sort of atmosphere where you need to make people feel like they got the most amazing two hours in, you know, 90 minutes yeah. and or 45 or depending upon that. And, and skill, and he just, not everything moved from one thing to thing, and you'd watch how he could bring one. He 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 was so brilliant about the way he figured things out. He'd bring a spectator up, and not just do a trick and then excuse him. He would just do trick after trick after trick after trick after trick with this person and keep this person up for twenty minutes. You know, for a large part of the show, and nobody did that. I wasn't aware of anybody that ever did that. And and it does two things. One is it allows him to go from effect to effect much more faster. Second, it creates a character or a foil for him on stage yeah. that is part of it. And and Jonathan is you're not gonna you you'd be like, oh well, you know, he's very, very good at who he selects. And Jonathan's not gonna get steamrolled over by somebody. Somebody's no. not gonna be like if Jonathan if, if you're gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna go up here and oh magic trick, whatever, you're gonna you're you know, like it's you know, it's just you. Bryce is scrolling through here, and we're watching yeah. this guy on stage for like he, fifteen minutes. <laughs> He's on stage for thirteen of the twenty-one minutes in this lounge lounge lizards video uh, yep. performance, which is that's the wait. majority of the special. It's, it's a thirty-minute special <laughs> and uh, 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 twenty-one minutes. So twenty, uh, you know, with, with commercials, it's thirty. Uh, yeah, you're right. It just, just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But like like a like andrew said there was someone to play off and b there was it was the added social proof of like he's killing like this guy next to him is dying laughing he he is is i mean and and also i guess that's the other thing is that in the world of magic this is kind of instructive i guess in the world of magic a person that comes up on stage usually what you get out of them is like awe. Like, I can't believe that. Oh, man, that's nuts. Maybe a giggle or something if you throw in a, a, a little witty rejoinder. But like, Jonathan just brought up, and stand-up comedians don't do that. They don't bring up somebody and say, oh, let me just kill right next to you so everybody can understand that I'm that I'm destroying right now. <laughs> uh, and he did both. He made he made an audience member do something more than just be, how do they, how did he do that? And uh, uh, had that had uh, that, that social proof, and also it was just it, it was just the mastery of confidence to just be like, no, you're just gonna stay up here, and I'm just gonna brah, just just go one. And some of them were dumb gags, some of them were prop comedy, some of them was actual magic. Like you just you never knew what was gonna happen. That's the other thing I was just gonna say. He was doing stuff like this is '96, and he just does a jar full of coke. <laughs> Uh, like on stage as as he's part of it, straw tricks with and them. then he just does straw tricks because he's done so much coke. Uh, but also the thing is that comes after a bit where he's like drinking Windex, so it even sets that up 
to the point where you're not like, this isn't drug humor, but it's not Cheech and Chong. Right. You know, he's just this bizarre cartoon character that, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a Ren and Stimpy world, he's just made flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, talking about that Lounge Lizard special, I feel like I've seen, he had a Comedy Central Percent special, and I feel like I watched that mm-hmm. a million times too. Um, and yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, to kind of piggyback on something you said, Danger, it's like, it was a very singular tone that, that he brought. He, it was a, a kind of almost like um, Mitch, Mitch Hedberg of like, that's a very specific signature sound and style, and it's very hard to replicate without being the amazing Jonathan guy or the the oh you're kind of like the uh, the other guy you know uh, to 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 own to own and and own your signature style like that is great and I don't I don't I mean I don't know everybody but uh, I don't know how many people are doing you know creep out and extreme bits like that. I mean, there, there is, you know, there's a genre of kind of stuff that it, it's one of these things where like you can have, you can have shock magic or you can have things like that. And then the, the thing is though, is that Jonathan was doing comedy with the idea of, let me play the, you know, this character that is this like this, but he, I mean, part of the brilliance is if you were to ask going back on like the confidence he had, if you ask somebody, if you were to go to Magic and say, oh, should I have a spectator up on stage for 15 minutes? They'd tell you it's a bad idea. And be like, they'd be like, why? Well, like, well, they could be a bad spectator. And would yeah. be like, well, what if I'm smart my spectator selection and I can control? Like, yeah, but maybe you want a variety. It'd be, it's one of these things where the, the, the obvious advice may be true for most people, but when you're Amazing Jonathan, it's not. It's, it's that like, no, you could actually be a strength because now by not having to select four people, mm-hmm. you've cut out two minutes yeah. of time that it takes to get them in this, in the silly banter you have of who they are. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I loved about his thinking was that you, it was about getting from laugh to laugh, to laugh, to laugh. And sometimes magic happened. Um, <laughs> and then when it did, you were surprised because it's a really good story building. Like you're the, the narrative you get watching him on stage was, Oh, he's, He's just a prankster, you know? And then when he does fool you, you're like, oh, oh, wait, how did he do that? You know? And that was a kind of a really great example. Like magic, we talk about storytelling, but magicians take it really literally. And like, (laughs) when I was a boy, I bought a bucket horse. It's like, that's, I'm like, and I, and the example I try to get people to reframe how they think about it, I said like, who is probably the greatest magician performing today? And I'd maybe argue that's probably Teller. And, uh, you know, and a pen and teller's great, but Teller by himself with performing something I think is as well polished as you could hope for. Teller never speaks in the show. Yeah. And he is a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And that's what storytelling is, is it whether it's a red ball following him around or something else. And that's, you get into that and you watch Jonathan, what's the story he's telling? This guy's erratic. This guy's, you know, uh, you know, you know, he, we, you know, the, He's got this dark side to him, you know, like, ah, you know, you look like the person that, you know, hold the knife. Hey, you look like the person that killed my parents, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I killed my parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, things like that. And then, but then the, the kind of the genius that he sets you up with that expectations and then he slam, surprises you and stuff. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, at one point he did a bit where he has this little puppet, this little crazy looking puppet. And then. He, they did this in the co- you know in a comedy club, and all of a sudden the lights turn out and strobe lights flip on, and all these sort of like you know uh, 
crazy like neon light goes on and and it's like he's just said i want to make it what is it what if i made everybody feel like they're on a drug trip with the puppets like ah da, da, da. and the puppets just like it's like he created like he made a trick that's like and david copperfield has his snow yeah amazing jonathan has his lsd trip for the audience <laughs> trick <laughs> and you know it was that was a kind of i thought about that like wow like this is how two totally different ways to sort of look at it you know and then you know, and the puppet, you know, yells at the woman next to him, show me our movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's different goals, right? Oh, well, they're just different of- visions. It just shows you. I mean, and, yeah. and, and again, I don't want to do it for the millionth time that, that I think uh, uh, oftentimes magic does not creatively challenge itself enough. But uh, it, it is in stark relief when you see the people that are chasing visions and building on visions and building true characters that can tell extraordinary stories. And there's a million different directions that you can take it. And 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 you can dial up and down the amount of magic. Like Darren Brown's a great example that's kind of counterintuitive to a lot of people because they obviously are polar opposite in terms of the kind of tenor and magic that they do. But Darren Brown could do and probably has done TED Talks. And if you went to go see Darren Brown and 80% of it was literally just him giving an erudite lecture about the mind and the brain and telling stories and stuff like that. You'd be like, Oh, tell me more Darren. And then he would do a trick and it would be the craziest thing ever. He doesn't have to do stuff on like, Oh, well I got eight tricks that I polished really well. And I'm just going to figure out uh, connective tissue to put them all together. And that's the same thing with Jonathan. Jonathan could do shock, magic, comedy insult. The, uh, he could work the crowd. Like, like there's and there's any number of just straight up comedy things that he could do. And then, he would put magic in there or he would do a bunch of magic stuff back to back and it would be hilarious because he'd be presenting it in, in the funniest possible way. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so uh, not to make it too after thingsy, but like that's the difference between like doing, say, a performance for other magicians to try, you know, for your cred. Right. You do a lot of audience members. So you show how fair everything is. But when your goal is to like entertain the audience, then who cares about your magic authority. Yeah. They just want to have a good time. I mean, also, you know, uh, spoiler alert for all magicians. The goal is always to entertain the audience. That <laughs> but, is but, always the goal. <laughs> but it gets insular, right? It gets insular. Oh, in, in ways that we probably don't have time to fully <laughs> discuss even on this show. Do you know, I've, I've told you about the game show that he hosted. No. The Amazing Jonathan did? No. He hosted in the early 90s. Murph Griffin, Murph Griffin produced it. It was a show called Ruckus, which ended up on, it aired on like in one network or in the one one market and it ended up on the game show network for a while. Uh, you can look up YouTube for clips of Ruckus, which he did 60 episodes of that. Wow. Uh, wow. So. And, uh, and he's like doing bits and he's, wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah. That's fascinating. So wait, so, so, I, I uh, uh, did that come together because Merv just saw his act. They're like, we gotta put something around him and 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 do it, or or because base. I assume that's the. I've talked to him only a little bit about it, but I think that was you know like how to you know you know put something together based on that whatever. And so <laughs> you know it's just him. You know these audience has to perform. You know do puzzles or whatever. But then Jonathan is your host, who's your madman, and it's a you know neat neat concept. They filmed it at the Merv Griffin Resorts, and so. It was a interesting promise. I've only seen little bits and clips from it, but like, you know, it's just you, you look at that like somebody's like, "There's a talent. How do we harness this? You yeah. Know, how do we make use of this? Yeah. Wow. How, how do we take what you do, make it bigger and better, and put it on television? Yeah. yeah. 
That's great. 60 episodes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man, they I made some TV back then. Thing too. Yeah, and he did he did he did an Australian series too, which I'm trying to remember what that was. I'll so. bet you he crushed he's in Australia. Up. He's got a very Australia energy. <laughs> I think he married an Australian woman at one point. Um Damn. Yeah. So uh let's do picks. Hey, my pick is Genius J E E N dash Y U S. Uh, it is a Netflix documentary around uh, following Kanye West. Uh, it is a trilogy. Each episode is about hour and a half, two hours. Third episode is coming out, I believe, this week. But uh, the 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 behind the scenes on this is that there is this guy Cootie, who uh, was a uh, effectively a cable access host that you know in Chicago back in the uh, mid '90s who just took a camera to these hip hop shows and parties and would just walk around the party and people would come and yell and, and shout out their, their projects and stuff like that. One of those guys is Kanye West. Uh, he becomes friends with them. And eventually when Kanye, uh, as a producer moves to New York to work with uh, Rockefeller records, uh, Cootie goes and moves to New York and just keeps shooting him and following his career. And so the first two episodes, the bulk of the documentary is really following him through Chicago to New York and, and eventually, you know, leading all the way up to him winning the Grammy for, uh, for the college dropout, his debut album and the process to even get the album out is really the most fascinating thing. It, it is a must watch. If you love hip hop, if you love two thousands hip hop specifically, and, and a lot of the names in New York is really, are really just, uh, uh, amazing, but also to just understand how that business works and also just, if you want to get inspired on like somebody that for everything that you might know of Kanye West in terms of his like braggadocio and arrogance, the work that he was putting in the amount of that album that was done by the time that he even got signed to Rockefeller records, let alone when they agreed to put the album out, uh, you know, was, was amazing. I mean, he's got like almost, fully formed versions that he had demoed out by himself of like half the album wow. that they're playing before they had yeah, the record before. deal. And, 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 you know, the, 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 the documentary kind of makes it clear that there's an operating theory that they only gave him the deal because they wanted him to keep making beats and he wouldn't shut up about it. In fact, there's one funny thing. There's a viral clip that's gone around of him going to the Rockefeller records, uh, 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 office and playing the song all falls down and the uh, the people that he's playing it for just stone faced like like okay what are you what are you doing and this is a classic song right and so people on twitter have come because all these people that are in this documentary are now still in the industry and on twitter and they're like uh yeah just context on that clip this was the 18th time that he had come in and done that and rapped this song for us. So it's like, yeah, the first few times we were all very impressed by the 18th time that he demands to rap the song. We're just like, Kanye, we have stuff to do. Uh, but it, just record it once and then just play it. Yeah, it, it's fine. But, but for him, he would not take no for an answer. Right. Like, and, and that is, I, I found it to be very, very inspirational. Genius. Uh, okay. Oh, Andrew, uh, did just have to run. He had a little bit of a business thing. I've got a pick. Go. Uh, uh, we, t I think Brian might've picked it last week, but I'm picking it. Um, and I watched it before him. So nanny, nanny, boo, boo. It's severance <laughs> on Apple TV plus. Uh, 
boy, is this a good show. I think this is a really neat show. Um, I think it does a good job of taking that uh, the tone of things like Control, uh, the video game Control, or the Stanley Parable, mm-hmm. um, any of those kind of... Dystopian office things. Yeah, office fantasy, yeah. almost. Um, it it kind of does a good line with that. Um, and I, 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 I kind of don't want to lean too much into describing it because I think it's a show. I think it's a very good show. And... When I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And I think if I hadn't even seen the trailer, I would still like it and and would watch it. Um, but uh, I think it's really great. Adam Scott is fantastic in it. Um, uh, the whole cast is very good. It's a very interesting sort of sci-fi adjacent premise. Um, and there's a lot of, I will say, as someone who likes mysteries and uh, poking around and finding all the little corners and clues and stuff, mm-hmm. they're doing a very good job of setting up Incredible mystery. Setting up a very weird building yeah. and not knowing exactly what they do. You don't know what's going on in there, yeah. but you know you want to. So that, I think that's very good. Severance on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, yeah, man. These these streamers just always giving you reasons to keep giving them money. Yeah. I mean, between that and the after... I, was, I, I, I don't know if you've had this thought lately. I'm thinking of pausing Netflix for a minute. I feel like once, once Drive to Survive comes out and I finish that, which is like in a week or two, I think I'm not... I think I might pause Netflix for a month. I don't know. Unless something else comes out. But that's the thing. Is you never know, right? Then you pause it, and then everyone's like, oh, are you watching Dingledorf? And it's like, 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 oh, no, I haven't. It's like, oh, it's the best. Like, And then everybody starts talking their favorite Dingledorf quotes, and now you're behind. And and did you watch it with subtitles, or did you watch it in <laughs> was 3D? It, was, it, was it subs or dubs? Subs. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I think that what's what's amazing about it is that Every once in a while, we have to pop over to this other app, like it's Disney or or mm-hmm. HBO. Although HBO's on, been on a heater lately, I feel like HBO has uh, been uh, between Wolves and Gemstones. Yeah, uh, Gemstones finished strong. Search Party, good. Oh, I should have made Gemstones my pick. Well, Gemstones was Gemstones I, was very good. It's just yeah, it's just very good. Although I oh. I, I won't. All oh. I'll say is that oh. there was a fan theory. Going into the final episode, mm-hmm. so a non-spoiler. It's not even a thing a that does not happen, <laughs> uh, but a, a discredited fan theory that they had set up throughout the season. Various gangs. You had the God Squad, the Motorcycle Ninjas. Oh, uh-huh. uh huh. Jesse's uh, 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 support guys. group. Yeah. Uh, uh, with, oh, with the with the slings. Yeah. The Memphis. Uh, mafia with the, and 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 the pro wrestlers among them, <laughs> like mm. uh, there was a fan theory that we were going to see a Gangs of New York style <laughs> Brawl. clash of all of these gangs that you had set up throughout <laughs> the show. So you do not get that if there's anything that that we can that we can ding it for. The one thing that I was also very excited about mm. is we have a fan that uh, worked on this season. Oh, on yes. the technical side, yeah, and sent me a uh, a, a prayer pamphlet that uh, was from this finale. No kidding, because there are there are lyrics inside of it uh, for and people I to thought, sing along. I thought it was just uh, Laura Mipsum, or they just put some random song that they uh, that they wanted to put in there. But no, that's uh. the song they sing in the final 
montage that all the kids, uh, all the, the 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 gemstones are all singing together. Oh, that's, uh, that's so. Really cool. And then they when they cut to the crowd, you could see that that thing. So I'm very excited. And also, anybody who's come to my house that uh, nobody's mentioned it yet. No one's been like Justin. That's weird that you have a church pamphlet on your uh, on your fridge. <laughs> but maybe now they'll know. I think we're it's just it's a not judgmental city. We're not a very judgy city. No, no. no. So. But maybe they should point out that we went to the Jeffersons <laughs> Mega Church. Come on, man. I got TV right. history. I'm like I'm like GD fridge. Is that Amy Lee? Is that an Amy Lee original? Is that an Amy Lee? Alrighty, already. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Weird Things Podcast for Andrew and Justin. I've been Bryce. It's been weird. <laughs> The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>